I am part of a group. Don't you love to be able to make that statement? None of us wants to be left out. What is it? FOMO, F-O-M-O, which is what? Fear of missing out. We don't want to miss out on anything. And we especially want to belong. We want to be a part of a group. We don't want to be left out. We don't want to be alone. I am part of a group. And sometimes that can create some dilemmas and some challenges. I like this little one-liner. Here's a dilemma. When an atheist is stuck at a green light behind a car with a bumper sticker that says, Honk if you love Jesus. (laughs) That's a dilemma. (laughs) That's a dilemma. What do you do? What do you do? I am part of a group. We all want to be part of a group. And the group that we read about in the New Testament is the church. It's the kingdom of God. It's the body of Christ. And as we've been going through the book of Ephesians on Sunday mornings, we've been looking at Paul's letter to that church and to our church The interesting thing, one of the interesting things to me about reading a book like Ephesians or 1st and 2nd Corinthians or any of the others is that they were written to specific people and in this case to a specific church. They were very much a church much like ours in a given town that had members, that had elders. In fact, Paul on uh, one of his trips, meets in Acts chapter 20 with the elders from this church, the church at Ephesus, and reminds them to shepherd the church that Jesus bought with his own blood. Not just the universal church was bought with Jesus' blood, but their church, the church at Ephesus. And in the same way, this church was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I am part of a group. When we get to Ephesians chapter 4 and a little bit of chapter 5, we read some specific things about that group and about the dilemmas that we face as being a church combined of a lot of folks. We had a really good uh, attendance in our Bible classes this morning, certainly in our class across the parking lot. We have a good attendance here. We have a lot of folks watching online. And we're a part of that group. We are a part of the church. We're a part of this family. We are the body of Christ. And that sounds wonderful, and we're all happy about that, but that brings along some dilemmas. Along with that, we have some challenges and some things that we have to face, just like they did in the first century church in far western modern-day Turkey in the city of Ephesus. So let's look at what Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to that church of the Ephesians and also to the church here at West Irwin. First of all, the atmosphere for unity. The atmosphere for unity is seen in these verses in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and then also the first couple of verses of chapter 5. Ephesians 4, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then these words in chapter 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I think both of those passages contain part of the theme statement of the book of Ephesians. It can be summarized in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Live a life that's worthy. Walk in a way that's worthy of the great blessing that you have received from the blood of Jesus Christ. We can't be perfect. We'll never match up. Just as Danny shared from Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. We get that. But that verse goes on to say the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we have that blessing. And now the question is that that is not given to us because of our perfect lives. It's given to us in spite of that at the cost of the blood of the Son of God. But now how do we respond? We walk and live in a way that is worthy. And Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2, the same thing. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. There's that indicative that we are loved, that we are saved. And then it follows with an imperative to walk and to live in a way that is worthy. To walk and live in the way of love. I am part of of a group. And what we seek to do as a part of that group is to cultivate an atmosphere for unity. What does that look like? Well, it looks like what he just said in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That is the atmosphere for unity. The psalmist understood it in Psalm 133 when he wrote, How blessed, how wonderful, how joyful it is when brethren gather together in unity. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that Jesus prayed for in John 17 that he died for, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. This is the atmosphere of unity. As Danny shared with us around the table, he mentioned that great passage in Galatians 5 that talks about the works or deeds of the flesh. As he was talking about the things that God uh, uh, forbids, and many of those things on that list don't don't surprise us at all, but some might, discord, division, envy, those things are the opposite of cultivating an atmosphere of for unity. When we have those things and when we live by those things, we're not fulfilling what Ephesians chapter 4 says. We're not cultivating the atmosphere for unity. So a question before we go on this morning, what am I doing to promote the unity of this church? Let's each of us ask that question of ourselves today. And be honest in our response. What am I doing to promote the unity of this church? 
how am I fulfilling what Paul talks about in these verses that we've just read? I am part of a group. I am part of this group. How am I helping this group be more unified with each other? And hopefully we can all think of a few things that we can do or that we are doing that will help cultivate that atmosphere of unity. And even if you're not doing anything to promote that, today is the day when you can decide, I'm going to start doing that. And we'll talk more about that at the end of the lesson. But I certainly hope and pray, and I wish it were true, but I know it's not. I wish it were true that there would be no one that's a part of this group that causes disunity, that promotes discord and division. For whatever the reason, it's not right. Scripture calls it sin. And so we are to be actively seeking to promote the unity of the church. And as we're going to find in just a moment, that doesn't mean we agree with everything. (laughs) Because if your church has more than one person in it, there are some things about it that you wish were different. So if you want to go to a church that doesn't have anything that you don't like, then there you go. You get to be it all and do it all. Because that's human nature. But that doesn't mean there's not unity. Because there's that atmosphere of unity that's based on what we have been given. What am I doing to promote the unity of this church? What am I doing to cultivate the atmosphere of unity. But Paul goes on and speaks in the following verses about the basis for unity. In Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then skip down to verse 20. That, however, speaking of the way of the pagans and the world, That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, verse 22, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, Paul doesn't start this chapter with verses 4 through 6. He starts them with verses 1 through 3. He doesn't start talking about the basis for unity. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Christ, all of those things. He starts out talking about how we treat each other. That part is certainly true and is vital, absolutely. The basis for unity must be there in the church. It must be the truth that we teach and preach and practice and share and live. But a part of that truth is verses 1 through 3. A part of that truth is promoting unity, cultivating an atmosphere for unity, so that when we get to the basis, people will listen. Because if we're not living in that verses 1 through 3, When we tell them, verses 4 through 6, they won't care. 
They won't. It's just that simple. If they don't see it lived out in our lives, they're not going to listen to our words. And so Paul begins by talking about humility and gentleness and patience and love and forbearance. And a desire to promote the unity of the church and to maintain it in the bond of peace. He speaks in verses 20 and following about being that new creature. And a part of being that new creature is not just that we proclaim one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's that we don't go about getting our way the way the world does. Because that is disruptive to unity. And it is the opposite of the way of the cross. The basis for unity depends on the atmosphere for unity. And the rest of Ephesians talks about what it looks like to live this out. C.S. Lewis said, One must keep on pointing out that Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. Which is it for you? Is it of utmost importance, maintaining that basis and atmosphere of unity? Is it of no importance and it doesn't matter, so just seek your own way? Do what you want? Or is it of moderate importance, to where you're kind of in and kind of out? You're what Jesus says is lukewarm to the Laodicea. And it literally makes him sick. Are you all in or not? That's the question. And if you're all in because you believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, then great, I'm with you. But do you also believe in gentleness and humility and sacrifice and unselfishness and acceptance and love? Because you see, for a church to be united, you have to have that. And he tells us why in the verses that follow the united church. We have the atmosphere for unity, the basis for unity, and then we have the united church. And it sounds different than what you might expect. Beginning in Ephesians 4 verse 7. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And we already see the difference, right? He's been talking about all the ones. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, one body, all of that. And then he says, but, in verse 7, but it doesn't look like that. Why? Because to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So we don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same interests. We don't all have the same skills. How do you do that? Well, verse 11, Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people, verse 12, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You see, that's what happens when you're an immature church rather than a united mature church. You get blown away and carried away by whatever is the coolest and the newest. Whatever sells, whatever's popular, whatever the culture says, that's what we do if we're immature. If our trust is in ourselves rather than in our God. Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body Joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And guess what? No, each part does different works. Why? Because Christ has given us gifts and has placed us in his church, in his body, exactly like he wants it. And that means that you're not just like me and I'm not just like you. And that means that that person that's across the aisle from you or sitting on the other side of the congregation or watching and worshiping from home, they're not exactly like you either. And not only is that okay, that is ideal. That is best. Why? Because God gave us these gifts to prepare God's people for works of service. So that the church can grow, so that the church can be mature, so that the church can minister to everyone, to everyone. And that's why we're so different, and Satan uses that difference to build tension rather than unity. And when we hear that call to be united, we need to define terms because we're talking about unity, not uniformity. For some of us, we think unity is uniformity. That means everybody believes just like I do. That means everybody sings the songs that I like. (laughs) That means the preacher goes just as long or as short as I like. And all of those things are good and nice and we can talk about them and we want to do the very best we can. But ultimately, it's not always going to be like I want, like I like. And that's the good news about the church. Because if it were any other way, then we might as well put a sign up on the door that says, people who believe like this, who think like this, who like these things, whose preference is this, need not apply. And that's not the church. It's not about uniformity. It's about unity. And that's why Avery Dulles years ago wrote about models of the church. A worshiping church. An evangelist church. A, a servant church. A prophet church. A church that speaks out in, about cultural things. A church that is an organization and an institution and continues to thrive. A church that is a community of disciples. A church that is a benevolent church. All of those things are models Biblical models of the church. But guess what? In all of those, you probably have one or two that you especially like. And that's good. Because those are the ways that God is going to use you to minister in this church. In this body. But not everybody's like that. 
And so that means that there might be some others who don't feel that way, who don't have the same interests or the same skills or the same desires. And so they're involved in other things. And that's okay too. In fact, that's good. That's ideal. And when you think about the amazing and incredible and numerous ministries of this church, it's amazing. It's amazing. Go this afternoon and and see this amazing day, this trunk or treat. Be a part of that. Get your face painted. Eat a bowl of chili. As far as I'm concerned, you can have it all. (laughs) Go through those trunks and see what our people have done. It'll be incredible. Walk through that lighthouse, fright house. I double dog dare you. Be a part of that. You see this, these great pictures from our Young at Hearts recent activity, and they have stuff like that every single month. doesn't involve everybody all over the area sometimes. Every quarter it does, but they're doing stuff all the time. We prepare food for people in our, in our lunch bunch group on Tuesday mornings. We feed people in this community on Monday nights and Wednesday mornings. We give them clothing on Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings. We teach Bible classes here on a regular basis. We have kids that are hearing about Jesus and his love right now while we're in here and you're stuck with me preaching. <laughs> I mean, you're enjoying a wonderful message from God. We have people that go and help in various ways at people's homes, go and visit them, send cards, write encouragement cards. We have people that are involved in youth events. We have people that are involved with our elderly. We have people that teach the tiniest of our children. We have people that are involved in our worship services. We have people that are concerned about missions, that are on missions committee. We have people that serve in our finances on our finance committee. There's so many, many, many others. Why is that? Because we're different. And we're different because there are different needs in our church, in this community, and in this world. And God has done that on purpose. Yes, Satan uses it to divide us, but we don't have to let him. We don't have to let him. The purpose is to build up the church. The purpose is to speak the truth in love. I like the story of the minister who was uh, asked to do a funeral, and so he had done the funeral, and now they ask him to lead the group to the graveside. And so he got in his car, and he was in the front, and he turned the radio on, and he kind of got lost in thought, a little bit distracted. And as he was driving along, he saw a sign for a Target store, and he remembered something that he needed to pick up and take home, and so he turned into the Target parking lot, just casually looked into the rearview mirror, and he saw all this line of cars with their lights on pulling into the Target parking lot right behind him. You see, that's uniformity. And that's not the way that God made us. And it's not the way that God made the church. But we can have unity. Members of a united church then live a worthy life. Ephesians 4 verse 1. Members of a united church speak the truth in love. We speak it, but, and it's the truth that we speak. That's the basis for unity, but it's spoken in love, and that's the atmosphere. Members of a united church walk in the way of love. 
Members of a united church can each say, I am part of a group. I am part of a group. I live a worthy life. I speak the truth in love. I walk in the way of love. I am a part of a group. And what a group it is. It's the group of people that Jesus died to form. He said in Matthew 16, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He established it in Acts chapter 2 with great power. And it began to grow every single day because they helped each other and they did everything in the world they could to help their communities as well. Members of United Church asked themselves this question, what am I doing to promote the unity of this church? And I think I can give you two things as we close. Number one, pray. Pray. And not just about the things that you like. Pray about the things that we're doing that you really couldn't care less about. You're glad we do it, but you don't want any part of it. You're not good at it. But you know there are people that are. And they're doing it. Pray for them. Pray for the people. Pray for that ministry. Pray for that ministry. And then the second thing is be involved. Be involved. I know you want to come and hear all about the Bika, the uh, great presentation this Wednesday. I just got a text during the service. Yes, every once in a while I'll notice something that I get on a text message. And in this case, it was he called this week and said he couldn't come. <laughs> so we'll save that one. But come next Sunday night to our area-wide singing. Bill, I don't like to sing. I'm not gifted to sing. I hate it. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. Just come and be an encouragement. You know... When I was a drummer, I lived by this montage. If I wasn't a good drummer, then I just played louder. So if you don't sing well, Logan, did I get that right? Where's Logan? Yeah, okay, good. Got a thumbs up from my drummer friend. If you don't sing well, just sing louder. Sing from the heart. And if you don't really care about encouraging other people unless they're just like you, then no worries. You just support the things you like. But if you want to walk in the way of love, if you want to promote the atmosphere for unity and not just the basis, then come this afternoon and support all of those who have worked so very hard for this trunk or treat. Come next Sunday night and be a part of our area-wide singing. Start coming to Bible class. Start writing notes to people that you find in that bulletin that's in your lap. So many wonderful opportunities for ministry. You see, that's what a united church looks like. It's a bunch of people that aren't exactly alike, but that are involved in all kinds of diverse, different things and are doing it all for the glory of God to honor Jesus Christ and to build up the body, His united church. If we can help you do that today, come as we stand, sing our song together.